What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio. one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. Here to talk about the Ravens offense in that week six win against the Chargers. Great win, 
uh, a, a pretty good offensive performance. And here to join me is Jim Zipcode, as you know him from local boards, and I believe also from Twitter. Hi, Ken. Jim, how you doing? Great, thanks. How are you? I, I can't complain, not one little bit after a win like that, which, you know, I, I'm trying to rank it among wins in Ravens history. Certainly home wins, I think it'd be in the top 10, maybe 15. In terms of, of impressive wins over a quality opponent, I think in the top 15 all-time home or road. It's interesting. I, I almost want to disagree with you. And that might be because I'm trying not to jinx myself with being too hopeful for how good this looked. And so I'm making excuses like West Coast team playing a, a one o'clock East Coast game. Maybe we didn't really get the best of the Chargers. And, and if, if this game was played again, maybe the result would be different. Uh, but a lot of this is me trying to keep expectations in check yeah. because that was an impressive victory. Yeah. You're managing your own expectations. I was just going to say that. That's what you're doing. It's, a, it's, I guess, what a good sports fans do when they when they don't want to become too uh, invested right. <laughs> in something positive. But great win, and uh, and you know, there's a lot to take possibly. It's real nice to have a, a lopsided win that's kind of a laugher. Does two things as far as I'm concerned. Number one is you look at it and you say, "Hey, that's a great win. Um, that means a lot in Pythagorean terms. It's nice to score some points and beat a team by some because you know the good teams beat the crap out of the bad teams fairly often. Any sport, um, but it's also nice to, to to just have a one o'clock game decided earlier. Nice easy storylines to write about. Analysis is easier, and you, you know we don't have a heart attack." To deal with it. I was just going to say that, yeah, our Maalox reserves or Tums reserves or whatever are not depleted this weekend like they have been each of the past couple weekends. Yeah. Men our age have, have other concerns with regard to watching football. So, uh, yeah, we get that. And I, I, you might not be as old as me, but I'm putting, I'm putting you in the same class. Sorry about sure. that. No, I appreciate it. Uh, it. Still lots of troubling signs to, to me on offense. They, they did not throw the ball effectively at 4.7 yards per pass mm-hmm. play in yeah. this game. Uh, they did not give Lamar a lot of time. A lot of that was based on the Chargers going very extreme in terms of the pass rush against them. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Um you, you mentioned this kind of being a throwback game to 2019 in our production meeting. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I even think maybe 2019 is too recent. This was this, uh, the first, maybe 15, 20 minutes of this game felt almost like a throwback to 2018, right? Where the, the, so I'm talking about Lamar's rookie season when he first took over after Flacco, the defense throttles the uh, opponent on the opening possession. And then the offense just goes on a time consuming run oriented drive. You know, the, the first half, the first quarter ended and uh, the Ravens second possession was not complete yet. You know, it was just long ball control, run it down their throats, take their will football. Ain't the beer cold. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's a, that's a, you know, the, watching that offense operate in 18 and in 19, very similar manner in terms of, of rarely failing on a three down series. Right. Was just, that was, that's wonderful football to watch. And if I, 40 to nothing every game, I'd take that. It's, 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 <laughs> I don't need exciting games to enjoy football. I, I want lopsided wins for the home team. Do you remember that comment uh, Lamar made last week after the Indy game? He, uh, w- I think the reporter asked him a question along the lines of, you know, what does it say about the team to, to win this kind of game? And he said something like, shoot, I don't want to play this kind of game. We want to, we want to come out early and strike and, you know, get a good lead. And 
Yeah, Lamarck. <laughs> good, good for him on not being forced into an answer to, to you know either put down the other team or to overstate what it meant for his own because those right. are kind of the two choices he gave him in that situation. Clever, evasive Lamar on the, at the podium as well as on the field. <laughs> uh, I think we need to talk a little bit first before we get into the game about Ronnie Stanley. The news, of course, broke today yeah. that he is having surgery, season-ending surgery. Uh, on his ankle. Uh, and we don't know much in the way of details. Uh, Stanley's uh, comments, I, I don't want to try and paraphrase. They're up there certainly on Twitter, on social, on other places, uh, Raven's website and whatnot, uh, where you can read his comments. Uh, I thought it was interesting. He said he'll be on the sideline for the rest of the year, hopes to be back in 2022. And, uh, you know, it's in some ways, it's kind of the best possible news we could have gotten from this. I mean, the best possible news would be he's starting this weekend. <laughs> That's what that, I was that wasn't happening for if you were reading the tea leaves at all. So. Yeah, when they were signing offensive linemen this week and having workouts and stuff, it's, it seemed clear that, the, the, that, that we were going to have to hope for some kind of second best outcome here. I do agree with you that if he's well enough to walk around on the sideline and he's optimistic about you know rehab and when the procedure is going to be done and, and, and whatever, like th- those signs are encouraging. Yeah, I, I, I think so, too. And I think it'd be a good thing for the team to have him on the sideline. Mm-hmm. Ray Lewis, 2002, was injured in game four. He's off. He was probably on his way to a career year. And he was in that, you know, the prime of his career between about 2000 and 2003, where he was dominant. Yeah, way, way better than any other linebacker in the game. And it, it really was a shame to lose him there. But him being on the timeline, he, it's almost like from the sideline, he willed that team almost into the playoffs. They they were in that till the final weekend. They um, the next to last weekend, they, they they lost that heartbreaker to the Browns to to really get their playoff chances greatly reduced. But uh, it, it was an impressive um, thing, and I think the, the, you know the team will gain a lot from Ronnie there. I think he's popular on the team, and and uh, it'll, it'll really help to have him there. And you know you you almost hope that he can find that tackle who will accept his. Um, constructive criticism mm, let's put yeah. it, or, or, or encouragement. Technical. Yeah. He's very technical. Yeah. And, and, and if it, maybe that's Villanueva, but Villanueva is a longtime veteran. Maybe it's McCary. That would be kind of cool. Or maybe it's somebody else who ends up playing like, like tackle, like maybe Phillips mm-hmm. who could really stand to learn a few things from, from Ronnie Stanley, um, you know, about, about the game. If he can be in the, in, I don't think this is going to happen because he's going to be busy with his rehab, but if he can be in the, in the individual positional realms, that would be right. kind of cool too. But I don't know. I, right. I just think his that's... eye, like, you know, if they're going to execute the stunt this way, you want to look at this or that, or, or look at his outside shoulder or, or whatever the technical comments are that a player uh, of his caliber would observe. Yeah. Yeah. Great stuff. So uh, all the best, Ronnie. Hope you're, hope you're back next year uh, and hope you're able to be on the sideline the rest of this year and, and providing value to the, to the Ravens as a, uh, a, a cheerleader and friend. You know, it's it's kind of a selfish comment to make, you know, so here's a young man who who may be facing some pain and obviously a difficult rehab and stuff. But selfishly, I uh, or as a fan of the Ravens, I can't help but think that um, the Ravens aren't quite as good as their record. We've talked before about them mm-hmm. having perhaps a brittle roster. And I, I feel like Ronnie's absence is one of the things that could put a cap on their potential, how far they could potentially go in the postseason. I, I'm. I think you know, season and postseason both. I mean, the tackle play has not been impressive. McCary has been serviceable in terms of what he's done. He's had a couple really great games. He had a good game this week. We'll get into. He's also had a couple bad games. Uh, Villanueva's topped out at a C 
since mm-hmm. he came back and he's bottomed out a hell of a lot below that. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, you know, we haven't gotten good play from, from uh, Villanueva to start with. They don't really have a backup for the current guys. So, you know, you really got to be concerned about the next injury. They put in Tyree Phillips again at left guard at the end of this last game, which indicates to me, that's probably where they see him playing. That right. They don't see him as the backup tackle. I don't know that he has the foot speed or the, or the agility to, to play tackle. And, you know, you think about how Orlando Brown, compensated for his mm-hmm. speed with just the length of his arms yeah. and his ability to push people out wide and and uh, somewhat his savvy. And, and I don't know that Phillips has the same elements to his game that Orlando yeah. did. Phillips does have the long arms, which is which is one of the reasons I had had hope for him at, at, at tackle. But it, he's we're now in a situation on the interior line where the depth is greatly reduced by the injury to Cleveland and mm-hmm. also the, the movement of McCary. And so Cologne is now in its center for Bozeman, a yet another injury. Right. And and now they really need the, the place where they need another backup is on the interior as well. So they're they're uh I think Bozeman will be back because he came back after the injury mm-hmm. to play. Oh, did but he play? Did he actually he, get snaps after the injury? Three, three snaps. Oh, so wow. he came back for one series and then they pulled him again and, and Cologne finished the game. So he looked good on the sideline when CBS went to them on the sideline. So that was I was encouraged by that. He was laughing yeah. and walking around. Yeah. So uh, it might have been precautionary. I certainly hope it was, uh, you know, if hopefully it's it's not any kind of serious back injury. Anybody who's had that uh, or even sat in a computer chair for a long time like I have, uh, back pain is not fun. No. no. You um, uh, Do you have any news about uh, what's the word on Cleveland's prognosis? I don't know anything about it. And, okay. and the Ravens, you know, have made various statements about how they're not going to say anything going forward. So uh, about injuries. So uh, I don't think we'll hear until we hear that he's coming off IR. That's my guess. He is on IR. Okay, I missed that news. I didn't realize he was he was actually on IR. Uh, Actually, I might have spoke too soon because I don't know that that's true. But I will check right now and we'll confirm while I do this. Uh, So, yeah, Cleveland's on IR. All right. Okay. That's a bummer. So you talked tactically. You talked about the the Ravens tackles and how they've played and kind of how questionable some aspects of their play have been. And I noticed in our in our pre-production meeting, you uh, talked about some things that the Ravens did tactically to kind of um, compensate for that. Yeah. Is it too soon to go to that stuff? No, or? no. By all means, let's get into the scheme of the game. We need to kind of move this along. The, 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 first of all, the Chargers, very rush-heavy uh, defense, very much like the Broncos in terms of the game they played in that respect. So they had 30, 30 plays that resulted in a passer sack. On 20 of those, the Chargers used five-plus rushing the passer. Ten times they used four, 16 times they sent five, and four times they sent six. So a 67% uh, blitz rate uh, mm-hmm. is what comes out of that. That's that's very similar, almost what Denver used, 70% for Denver. Denver used some additional numbers, too, to f- throw in a few seven-man rushes with that. Uh, the Ravens responded with extra inline players, as they had been the last, last few games. Um, they went up to their season high of 1.96 per play. Let me explain what that is. That's the sum of the tight ends, the fullbacks, and sixth offensive line snaps. They only won six offensive line snap in this game. They had 55 fullback snaps, and I forget the number of tight end snaps, but the total works out to be 1.96 uh, per play of those positions, which means they had a running back one exactly on every play, which means basically they only had two wide receivers on every play, 2.04 wide receivers per play. So did they use that extra personnel for protection? Uh, yes. So they used 18 set blocks and 11 chip blocks on 30 plays, which is also a season high of 0.97 
eligible receiver blocks per play. So that I, I look at a lot of that stuff to try and get a sense of just how much they're helping out their tackles. But they were really trying to help out McCarry with Bosa. And I'm not belittling anything McCarry did with Bosa because he had a good game. But but he had a lot of help on that edge. And, and there were some players over there who did a great job, Ricard and, and Tomlinson in particular, at, at making those chip blocks on that right side. I think another thing that they did tactically was the use of, which we've seen a lot of in the past couple of weeks, is the increased use of the running backs in the passing game, either checkdowns or you know wheel routes or, or guys in the middle of the field. So I know that uh, Devontae Freeman and Latavius Murray each had two targets in this game. Mm-hmm. Murray was pretty productive with them, six yards uh, per target. Uh, Devontae didn't catch it, <laughs> so that wasn't so yeah. good. But he's he's been good in the in the past game in uh, the, the previous week. Yeah, he's good against the Colts. He had he had what three catches for thirty five or something against the Colts. It was about that. Um, yeah, not everything worked out in terms of of uh, um, the passing game. Certainly, it was a, it was a pretty pathetic you know yards per attempt game. And the only guy who really had an exceptional game in terms of uh, yards per target is Andrews. Andrews, Pro Bowl, right? I mean, this has absolutely been a Pro Bowl season so far. He's been uh, tremendous. On on the season, he's in double digits yards per target. I think it's up over 11. It's 11.8, so it's nearly... No, I'm sorry. It, it's 10.6, so it's nearly 11. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that, that's, that still would be very good. And to put that in, in context for Ravens history, that would trail only Andrews' rookie year. He was at 11.04 as the highest yards per target in Ravens history. It, this year, it's really been a case with him of catching a higher percentage of the passes as opposed to um, getting more yards per reception. If you look at his yards per reception, they, they don't look that different. But the, but the percentage of catches is way up from where he'd been for all of 2020 and the, and the last 14 games of 2019. He started 2019 16 of 17 in terms of catching the football. And then he really fell off. And he's been about, I want to say he's been about 64% on catch rate through the end of 2020. But then 2021, again, he's up north of 75% again. It's interesting because I, I would think, I wouldn't necessarily compare his catch rate directly to to the average run of the mill league tight end because I think mm-hmm. that Andrews is running deeper. You know, His depth of target, I would think, is going to be much deeper than... Um, uh, you know, certainly deeper than Nick Boyles, for example, sure. you know, so so uh, his catch rate, you know, I, I wouldn't necessarily hold him to uh, uh, the standard of um, of, a, of a player who plays near to the line of scrimmage. But uh, I do agree with you that his uh, his he's been really sure handed. You know, we've we've seen him have drops in the past. I, I, hold on. I got to knock on wood here on mm-hmm, my sure. coffee table. <laughs> but but he's he's been catching, you know, pretty much everything he's had a chance to catch. And uh, and that's you know, it, it seems like a, a small but uh, critical improvement in his game. Right. Absolutely. I mean, it, it, a lot of the the other tight ends, the really great tight ends in the AFC are not at his level in terms of yards per reception i'm trying to trying to come up with this quickly as we do but i'll i'll have to do it a later time i know kelsey was at about nine yards per per target and so Boyle, sorry (laughs) having andrews do better than kelsey is obviously one of the big hurdles in terms of of quality in the afc i want to go back to scheme for a second if that's okay that's okay jim so i'm sorry uh before we move off with andrews you mentioned his catch rate uh, his improved catch rate being one factor i kind of think maybe another factor for him is is i think in prior seasons defenses could really double him at will 
and clog up the middle of the field. That was a very effective tactic against them. But this season with Lamar's improved uh, consistency of throwing to the outside and with, uh, with, with Marquise making big plays and Sammy Watkins making big plays, you know, defenses have had to spread out a little bit. And then Lamar has shown a greater willingness to, to pick up an easy seven yards with a quick toss to a running back or something. So all of this to me has kind of forced defenses to spread out a little more, which creates a little more space or potentially creates a little more space for Andrews in the middle of the field. Yeah, I, I agree completely that Lamar, uh, that's, that's certainly part of it. Part of it is Lamar's accuracy yeah, yeah. has been higher this year. The sec, the second one is another factor would be that the extension of plays has been greater. So Lamar's had a higher time to throw. Mm. And when that happens, Andrews is often a, uh, target of last resort, you want to call him that. So Prochet's also also been a beneficiary of that this year as well, uh, which has created some good opportunities for him. But, Andrews uh, has a great ability to read the field the same way Lamar is reading it and find the space yeah. that Lamar is going to look at. Yeah, absolutely. Finding that space is uh, and and presenting himself for the catch, bodying yep. up whoever is nearest in terms of coverage. Very big qualities. Let's uh, let's continue on a little bit. The Ravens consistently showed run action in this game. So even when they were passing, they tried to pull a guard most of the time. Uh, not, it wasn't always a guard. Sometimes it was two players, even on pass plays. Uh, but they had ran. They had thirty-one pulls in the game. Really kept the Chargers guessing, run or pass. It's. Uh... It's, a, it's kind of a fundamental, basic thing about football that the play-action pass, even when you're not, even when the threat of the run is not super effective, it absolutely creates a reaction from the defense, and it helps every quarterback from from the most from the greenest rookie, you know, to the to the most experienced uh, veteran. Uh, play-action damages the defense. Um, you, you make a great point, and 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 play-action from when we were kids in the '70s was a matter of the quarterback turning his back mm-hmm. on the field. And, and you know, obviously, that, this was still the case for 20 more years after that, maybe even 30. But it was a case of the quarterback turning his back from, from taking the ball under center and faking a handoff, keeping the ball shielded by his body, then turning his back to the, back to the field and reacquiring. Now, most play actions, of course, still run out of the shotgun. Uh, you run it from sidecar if you're the Ravens. You run it maybe from pistol, maybe from other things, depending on which team you are. And or or even under center, and you show the handoff in front. That that fake is usually not as inviting, not as, yeah, not as, as elaborate it. as what, yeah. what well, as the old South. Oh, fake. certainly, certainly not as elaborate, but also not as not as inviting to the to the uh, that linebacker making that extra read step as the as the pull is. The pull is the eye candy oh, yes. Yes. that is really making him. Uh, say, oh, damn it, I got to be in a gap here. So that's. Uh, oh, I, oh, so I get what you're saying. When you talk about play action and run fakes, you're not necessarily talking about if we were only looking at the quarterback. Yes, yeah, run action, meaning meaning they're showing a guard pulling. I as understand. As to play action, meaning faking it off. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll move on to one other thing. Uh, ATS, ATS opportunities are only seven for Lamar in this game, only 23%. That's not going to provide a huge set of opportunities. Jackson had double that rate in the previous game, which was a lot of the reason they were able to come back against the Colts. A lot of fatigue on that Colts defense. They didn't quite get there with the Chargers in this game. The Chargers were on the field a long time, but by the time by the time of the fourth quarter and the fatigue had really set in, the Ravens were running the ball all the time. So it wasn't they weren't taking advantage of the opportunity to pass against them at that point. Uh, most of their you know opportunity to pass the ball had already passed earlier in the game. Right, Indy was very 
committed to only rushing four guys and putting mm-hmm. a lot of guys in coverage. And I can't imagine that any defensive coordinators watched Lamar's performance against that and decided that that was the right choice. You know, I, th- I think that's probably exactly what happened, what you're talking about, because they, they, they obviously the uh, advanced scouts looked at the Denver game. They looked at the Indy game, although they had a short week only to do it, a, a shorter week. And they said, OK, Denver at least held their offense down a little bit. The Colts couldn't hold the lead at all, and they got completely fatigued. Denver mm-hmm. rushed seventy percent of the time. The Colts actually rushed twenty percent of the time. They said, "We want to be like Denver." And they, yeah, and they, yeah. You don't, you don't need Lamar completing eighty six percent of passes <laughs> against you. Let's do something different. It's completely reasonable reaction. Yeah. All right. Well, let's let's work our way through the offensive line, if that's okay. You have any other scheme comments you want to make before I move on? Uh, I don't think so. Okay. All right, let's make our way through the offensive line because we always like to go through that scoring. Villanueva uh, gave up 1.5 quarterback hits. He gave up one sack, which was in two pieces, a third of one and and two-thirds of another. Didn't give up any pressures, interesting in this game. Villanueva's given up a lot of um, bold back into Lamar's laps pressures that Lamar really deals with fairly well. Uh, But unfortunately, these ones were were higher cost uh, cases that he gave up. Still kind of looks all arms and legs uh, when he's blocking. I don't believe that there is any plan to have Brandon Knight replace either of these guys. Uh, I think Villanueva is still the tackle and Knight is still the backup. Knight played very poorly, by the way, last year for Dallas. Uh, As PFF has graded it, I have not actually looked at any film. Have you taken a look at anything he did? No. And uh, I can't imagine that a guy that's available off the street has any really quality tape out there playing tackle in this league. Yeah, there you go. I mean, and the Ravens drafted him, what, 25th, 26th, whatever they were in the order. So 24 other teams had to pass on him mm-hmm. in terms of, of the of the waiver wire for this to be a, a reasonable deal. But he did really over 700 snaps, I noticed, last year for Dallas. So uh, he was in there a lot. There's lots of tape on him. And then, of course, the question comes up, well, if there's How lots good of tapes it? on him, yeah, why, why would it not? Why would he not be involved in uh, somebody else taking him? Well, I mean, that being said, I'm glad to have him. I, I would like to throw as many bodies at the problem as possible. And I do have a lot, a lot of faith in Joe D in terms of his ability to get um, play of basic competence, if not necessarily outstanding play out of uh, out of a variety, you know, a variety of players. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, you watch Joe D coach. He's very technical. He's very one rep at a time. Uh, I, I don't know how quickly he assimilates players, but it's probably pretty good because, I mean, the, the, certainly the Ravens' record of of bringing along draft picks who are fairly far down the chain is excellent. Of course, Jody, in each case, would have had a camp to work with those guys as right. opposed to, you know, a week to work with Brandon Knight. Um, we'll but 700 snaps, this is not an amateur either. No. This is a guy with some experience. You're, you're right. He should be able to apply some of that. But if he was actually applying all of what he knew correctly, he wouldn't be as bad probably as he would be or or – the worse, he could be as good as he's going to get. And there's no more upside to squeeze out of him technically for Joe D to find. Right. So, you know, it's a, it's well, a concern. A, anyway. He's a backup. He's, he's, he's a warm body at a position where, you know, we're, we're near criticality. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on. See for Villanueva powers, uh, more solid physical play from him. Uh, he did miss seven blocks, which is a lot for a guard to miss in a game. And then the question has to come up, where did they come? But only three of those seven were misses at losses at the line of scrimmage, which to me are they count the same for scoring, but they're worse in terms of portent as far as I would look at them. So that's something that that uh, that I don't like to see. He did give up two pressures, half a quarterback hit, uh, made 11 of 15 pulls in this game. So we haven't seen too many 
really high count pull games this year. This might be the highest. I didn't go back to check and see if any uh, Ravens guard it would be would have pulled as many times earlier this year. But uh, because they were splitting that guard duty, I don't think anyone has. That makes sense. And, Is that a good percentage, 11 of 15 in terms of hitting your pulls? And not not particularly. <laughs> it's, uh, it's 73%. Um, it, it counts this game as other things. It'd be like he's scoring a 73 for that. It's, it's, uh, it's okay. Mm-hmm. And those blocks are more difficult to make. So if a guy has a big game where he has a, makes a lot of pulls like that, I give him a little bit of extra boost on the adjustment. So 11 of 15, it's, it's, it's certainly not terrible, but it's also not really good. So okay. it's in the middle. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'd like, if I – Bozeman from last year was fairly regularly, you know, turning in a 13 out of 15 effort, that sort of thing at, uh, at pulling. Um, okay. Uh, what else to say about his a C plus a C? I'm sorry, a C for powers. Nope, C plus for powers. Sorry about that. He was at the very top end of the C range. Um, Phillips returned to play. He he just played uh, four snaps at the end. Two of those were kneels, and he made one of his two blocks on the other play. So not a lot to say about his play. But it's interesting that the Ravens put him in there when they got themselves in more in more trouble. We thought at tackle by the fact he played against Oakland and got hurt. So it's a get your feet wet performance for for Phillips. You know, really nothing more than that. It seems to me, you know, get you acclimated to the game again, get some contact. But I agree that it seems that they view him strictly at the guard position and not as a viable uh, option at tackle. Yeah, I mean that was completely. It should have been completely brother in law play at that point. There shouldn't have been a dangerous snap that Phillips was involved in where some lineman is maybe trying to push another player into his legs, which is usually the way linemen get hurt. Mm-hmm. You'd hope that wouldn't be happening at the end of a game like this and, and, uh, and create problems when, when they're down four touchdowns. But it did seem like a pretty hard hit that Huntley took by the end of the way at the end of the game. It looked to be more of a headshot at the game than, than I, that I saw when I got home and I watched it on TV. I couldn't tell uh, if he was, kind of plunging forward like if he, he had lowered his helmet you know to gain an extra yard and and the defender had also lowered his helmet to to you know to to line him up and it, you know maybe it was inadvertent yeah i mean it's i i don't i don't think there's anything malicious going on because one thing that'll get you in trouble in the nfl is really taking a taking a shot at another at another team's even backup quarterback they, right. they won't like that um but i i think it was a case where um, he was not protected as a runner and he probably tried to do too much on the play once he already had the first down. So it would have, it would have been nice to, you know, maybe slide on that play and, and, uh, and get two less yards perhaps. A young quarterback, a lot of enthusiasm, rare <laughs> opportunities, you know, I mean, that, this, this stuff's going to happen. Bozeman, uh, uh, another tough game for him. Now he didn't play a lot of snaps, um, but he, he turned in his second consecutive F uh, after a D uh, against Denver. So he's had a lot of trouble these last three weeks. Uh, he surrendered a full sack to Linval Joseph. Uh, he had a bunch of missed blocks in this game, five in a, in a, a 43 snap effort. So that's a lot at center. He did also give up a half pressure. Um, there just wasn't anything special about what he did. I'm not grading him in, in, in terms of that about any snap accuracy or whatnot. I didn't notice a bad snap this week. I also have not yet looked at the all 22 to try and see if there was a snap that was offline left or right. I didn't notice anything watching the game. Yeah. Um, Again, he's he's absolutely critical to the Ravens. And there's a lot of variation game to game that is not a real cause for concern. But I think I would have to say that having three consecutive bad games is the point at which even for a player like Bozeman, I'm concerned. There's not another option. He's our guy at center. You know, we, we need him to be the guy, but 
Um, I am a little concerned right now about his level of play, and I hope he's he's uh, he comes back from whatever this minor injury, whatever this injury is, sorry, not minor, whatever right. this injury is, and is able to play at the level of the first three games as opposed to the last three. I wonder if he's been suffering from something for, for a couple of weeks now and, and what happened yesterday, I'm sorry, Sunday was an aggravation of an existing, you know, something that was mild and he was fine playing with, but but no longer. That's that's certainly possible. I, I, I saw the play it happened on and, you know, he got stood up. It was a play where he, you know, I, I charged it as a missed block, but it was on a short yardage play. And he got stood right up and you could see something was wrong right away. And he kind of fell back. So certainly, obviously, it's always possible that's an aggravation. It also is possible it just happened on that play. But uh, yeah, I'm just uh, trying to look on the potential bright side that maybe, you know, that that would be an explanation for maybe a run of bad games oh. um, and, and maybe his, quote, true level is is not that but but he's been you know impacted by something that's you know not minor in the sense that it, it wouldn't keep him out of the lineup but maybe it impeded his performance so the the transitory proximal cause theory you're trying to apply to this it's, it's good i mean i look for it all the time in terms of seriously <laughs> right is, is there any reason that that yeah. could have happened that, that could explain this and it's going away so, <laughs> right yeah so this is a there's a fair amount of wishful thinking in that but um well anyway best best to yeah. bozeman Best of Bozeman. All right. Uh, Zeitler, good game. B for him. Uh, parts of three pressures totaling two. Uh, he only missed three blocks the whole game, and none of them were losses at the line of scrimmage. So real good game. And, and he's come back after an F uh, in game three against the Lions to have a three consecutive very good games. So uh, I'm, I'm really encouraged by his play. He needs to be the glue that holds this line together, particularly if Bozeman uh, is not in there. Um, he really needs to calm cologne down Hmm. make sure he gets those snaps off accurately take care of all the cadence and line calls that can lead to that and lead to cologne just focusing on making an accurate snap i mean he's he's a huge asset even without getting any a's necessarily Hmm. because he's he's so calm and steady and professional and competent and you know he can play his position and knows the game uh and i think all of us after watching the turnstile at right guard last year i think we're greater you know if, if he was replacing yonda we'd be howling for his blood right but but uh replacing what we had last year at right guard i think we can appreciate him a little bit more yeah yeah i agree um mccary uh yeah harbaugh has singled him out um i think he's right to do so he's now uh, you know had a b two a's a d and an f in five starts at um right tackle you're and that, backwards right uh, it's not no, not exactly in that okay. order. Um, okay. But but, uh, <laughs> um, but but he did. Uh, I think I don't think there's any way you could call his play anything but but outstanding for what relative to expectations would have been at the position. Uh, he hasn't really had that completely fall off the table game. In this game, he gave a, a one and a half quarterback hits and two one third shares of sacks. But of course, he's up against Joey Bosa for most of the snaps. And that's one of the best pass rushers in the entire league. Um, if you look at those run blocking, it was very good. He had four missed blocks, um, six blocks in level two, uh, made two out of three pulls and two highlight combination blocks. So uh, he was he was getting into level two and making his presence felt in this game in a way the Ravens did not do against the Colts. I think they only had eight level two blocks the whole game. They got up to 19 in this one. 
I got to think that your adjustment for Makari facing Bosa for most of the game is going to be pretty high. Yep. It's it, not quite the maximum. I, I gave him 0. 0.09 because I thought he had a lot of help on the outside. Uh, but 0. 0.10 is the most I give anybody. So his adjustment was very high, yes. Makari is a fascinating player to me. We we acquired him for, I shouldn't say we, I'm not a, not one of the Ravens, but the team acquired him for, for a very low expenditure. And he uh, kind of arrived to the team where his calling card was this tremendous versatility, right? He can play kind of any position on the offensive line. And, um, you know, the question would have been, you know, did he play any of them particularly well, you know? But the other factor about him, aside from the fact that he seems to be a tremendously high character guy and, and every, you know, coaching comment about him and every reporter who talks about him finds, finds a reason to mention that, he was also very, very young when he entered the NFL. Did not know that. Yeah, I think he was only 21. He might have been 22. He was a very young player who played tackle in the Pac-10. So that's, you know, that's that's Division One. So I've always wondered if he had more developmental upside than us fans kind of suspected that he really did. Yeah, that could, that, that could well be. I mean, even now, he he turned 24 in August. August 13th was his was his birthday. So two so years ago. So he's six months younger than Lamar. Yep. Or, or yep, yep, yep. Maybe seven five, months. but yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Seven. It's it's January for Lamar, right? Yep. Why am I having such trouble with this? I think he's five months younger than Lamar, if I was going to say. I don't know if, if Lamar is in the middle of the month or not in January, but Lamar is January sometime, right? Mm-hmm. I think it's the 10th. Okay. My stepdaughter tracks it. Her birthday is pretty close to his. <laughs> well, that's good to know. Yeah. So what I'm trying to say about Makari is that maybe this this run of play, you know, this this very good play on his, maybe this is something close to real, not a mirage at all, but he's actually, you know, a, a decent prospect who's growing into a, a pretty decent NFL lineman. It's not unheard of to have arm length of his type at right tackle these days. Um, I just think it's, it requires some coverage. Braden Smith is, is similar in terms of his arm length. Is it like 32 inches? Um, the Ravens, if you go back in their history, they've never drafted a short armed right tackle. Mm-hmm. Every, every guy they've drafted, their arm length is a primary concern. Uh, the only guy they drafted who was really under 34 inches, who played uh, significantly at all, Michael Orr okay. was, was, uh, was 30, either 33 or 33 and a half. And, that really didn't work out on the left side, but uh, but anyway, the, the Ravens. That's a first con- round pick, though. Yeah, first round pick, and they're very, but they're very conscious of arm length. If you look at all their other guys; they're drafting for arm length and and, and size, and you know, putting other concerns aside, like with Jared Gaither and and uh, uh, players like that. With with um, uh, McCary, it's the second time during Harbaugh's tenure that a short-armed right tackle has bailed him out. And in, this, in the other case, it was Yanda in 2010. What a great year, uh, you know, going out. And, and I think he, I, I think he made the Pro Bowl that year. But if he wasn't, it was suggested by a lot of people. I know Peter King uh, was really high on Yanda's play in 2010. I, I scored it, and, and, you know, he's certainly very consistently excellent. Not as consistently excellent in terms of not giving up pressures as he was at guard, but, but really an outstanding lineman. Offensive line is an interesting position in terms of there are guys who make it who are the ideal physical proportion first round pick guys. And then there are guys who make it who are undrafted free agents. I think even if you look at the like the 
the 1990s Dallas Cowboys offensive line that just road graded their way to several Super Bowls. They always had an undrafted free agent starting for them, um, you know, in among the stars. Uh, so, so it's a position where every once in a while, a guy with great technique and enormous scrappiness yeah. can, uh, can turn into a, a solid player. Yeah, good. I mean, you got two good things really helping him out here. One, oh, maybe more than that, but you have good coaching in in the case of Joe D. Yeah. You have good scheme in the case of Roman, who understands that you might need to protect this guy on some place. And you know, if you're going to pass, you might need a chip. I guess if you can't guess. play offensive line for Greg Roman. You can't play offensive line. Yeah. For and the, the, the Raven scheme certainly for right tackles makes it a lot easier on that position. And Orlando Brown going to the Chiefs is probably learning a little bit about this. Now, he really played well on the left side for half a season last year in relief of Ronnie Stanley. But he he made his Pro Bowls or made a Pro Bowl already on the right side, one or two, one, uh, on the right side in a scheme that was extremely easy for him to play at. It was it required these a lot of just simple down blocks while they let the Ed Rush Ed Rusher free mm-hmm. on these read option plays. And you know, it's it's just it's a lot easier to do that. I think that you know, that was why some of my exuberance over maybe trying Ben Cleveland there would oh. have worked out within the Ravens system was that he can move up half a level, make that block just the way Orlando Brown did. Um, and then he could do some things like McCary can do, maybe better, because Ben Cleveland is a pretty darn good pass blocker at a base level or certainly was at Georgia. I think that when we talk about factors that assist tackles who play for the Ravens, I think your points about the coaching and uh, Greg Roman's schematic advantage are, are right on. But we, um, uh, we have to talk about Lamar in terms of how he assists tackles in the, oh, in the sure. pass protection. Every, every single player made their, their job made easier by Lamar. Like, lastly, offensive lineman Cologne, 23 snaps, 22 replacing Bozeman at center, also had one as a sixth offensive lineman. He missed five blocks, didn't have any negative charges. That's a C for the game. Didn't think he played badly at all. Um, only two of those five, I believe, were losses at the line of scrimmage. Uh, the offensive line made 21 out of 31 pulls. You asked me if 11 out of 15 are good. I'm going to tell you, 21 out of 31 definitely is not good. Um, but the Chargers did a good job of slipping some of their poles athletically. They, they knew they were coming. They they knew how to shed poles effectively. And it may have even been a point of emphasis for them to practice during the week. And it may also be that Joey Bosa in particular was effective at slipping some of those poles. All right. 19 blocks in level two as opposed to eight last week. We already kind of talked about that. You want to move on to Lamar or do you have anything else to talk about? I wanted to ask about Cologne in terms of his anchor against the bull rush. How how does he compare to uh, versus Bozeman in that area? Definitely do not have enough data to support any conclusion at this point. Does your eye test, you know, are you willing to say something on an anecdotal basis? You know, the best thing that's treated me in in, in terms of scoring offensive line play is basically never comment. It's just an opportunity to get whipsawed. If I I talk about my comments at the game, uh, you know, from from watching a game, it's not where my eyes are for the game. So I'm, I'm, I'm trying to watch how's the tight end lining up. Is the tight end getting up into level two or what's what's happening with box there? You know, I'm not I'm not uh, focused on the offensive line in the game. I have to watch it separately and and be specifically concerned about it. Now, that said, when the pocket breaks down, I have a good sense of of how it how I think it happened. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I don't want to be I also don't want to just give myself a chance to be wrong about that by uh, by stating things. It used to be, by the way, it used to be on on radio, on 
Monday morning than one of my comments. Well, I understand why they want comments on Monday morning. But you morning. haven't had a chance to watch the game yeah. yet. I've had a chance to watch the defense, but I haven't okay. scored the offensive line yet. So I said, okay, I'll talk about the defense, and maybe you can talk about skill position players on offense if you like, but I don't want to talk about the offensive line because it's just going to give me a chance to get whipsawed. So. For listeners out there, I tried very hard to get Ken to uh, overcommit himself to go beyond his data, and he shut me down hard. So uh, sorry about that. Uh, I, I appreciate you testing me like that. Thank you. <laughs> Let's move on and talk about Lamar. Why don't you just go first and talk about what your observations were from this game? Uh, so uh, one thing I noticed is that the running back by committee approach, I think, has really worked well for the Ravens. I think a lot of us in the first maybe couple weeks of the season were questioning it, uh, particularly wondering why Tyson Williams wasn't getting, you know, kind of bell cow usage. Uh, and why are we kind of reactivating all these old guys? And uh, I think it has turned out thus far that the old guys um, have some stuff left and they have some skills and some veteran knowledge of the game. I've been super impressed by Devontae Freeman uh, uh, as a running the ball this week and catching the ball last week against Indy. Uh, they were pretty even with the carries, uh, broadly speaking, between Freeman and Latavius Murray and Le'Veon Bell. Uh, I think Freeman and Murray both ran the ball really well. I liked what I've seen from Le'Veon Bell, although the stats do not back that up. Right. Um, so I, he, I, he looked pretty good in that Denver game when he was last activated in terms of some good cuts. A good, I think he had a good spin move in the backfield. I have kind of a visual memory of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, that was positive, but that's certainly correct that they, it hasn't resulted in anything positive statistically so far. So I think that that's, uh, uh, it's made them a different offense, right? Instead of pounding one guy, you know, or two guys, you know, now they're, they're just spreading the load among, among a bunch of people and, and, and finding, uh, you know, really finding snaps for three guys. Uh, and it's, it's worked okay. I, I, my big reservation about it is that not one of these guys has the big play explosiveness that like Dobbins would have yep. had. Or, or Williams for that matter. Williams is by far the fastest of the backs they have right now. The only other guy that we haven't really talked about so far on this episode, but but if we're talking about the running backs, let's hit this now. Um, Devin Duvernay got two jet plays mm-hmm. in this game. One was a jet toss and the other was a jet run. And this is exactly what I've been looking about and looking for in terms of threatening the outside. And the run went for 11 yards. It was a nice, uh, uh, you know, easy outrace the edge uh, run. And and all they need to do is show that a couple of times. And then all of the action that they want to run off jet motion will be that much more effective. Yeah, the defense has to reply to it, especially or respond to it. I mean, and especially when you think back to the touchdown he had last year, I think it was maybe against Cincinnati Mm -hmm. where he took it, I don't know, a a gigantic run on exactly that kind of play, a jet sweep. And, and, you know, his raw speed, which we see on kick returns all the time, uh, it's it really it's going to get guys out of the box or it's going to force the the front seven or, you know, the overhang defenders to to react. And it's really going to create some movement, you know, in the second level. Okay. Um, completely agree. Loved what he's done as a return man, too, but we don't have to talk about that. I think everybody's everybody's yeah. really, really following that closely enough. You don't um, have a special teams podcast? I, I don't. I, I mean, it would, it would be kind of cool to have a special teams podcast. We talked about that at one point with some other folks and, and, uh, 
and uh, weren't able to pull the trigger on it. But uh, but it's a good idea. And, and to get into some depth on that would add a new layer of analysis that I'm not sure I really have time for during the week. So I'd, I'd be looking for somebody else to to do it. And, and I could maybe do the show with them as mm-hmm. a host, but they're the kind of the knowledge providing guest is what I'd like to do. Yeah, maybe a bye week uh, idea. Yeah, that could be because there's not that many total special teams plays that really result in a return anymore. Mm-hmm. So you could you could do more of them certainly in 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 one show. Duvernay's taken a big step forward as a punt returner this year. Yes. He was great as a kick returner last year, and he's added a dimension. Yeah, yeah. I mean, another three for forty four in this one in terms of returns. So he's he's been up there right around fifteen yards per punt return, I believe. I think he might have been sixteen before the game. So he's probably almost maintained that that that's, doesn't sound like a big number but i think the league average is close to like seven yeah, or something that's like that. that's a tremendous number that's yeah, like it's ridiculous it's it's like jermaine lewis in his best years mm-hmm. it's yep. you know, yep. it's, yeah um noticing also a lot of the young punters are out kicking their coverage this year and and that's like it's it's candy for duvernay because then it's not a fair catch play he's gonna mm-hmm. he's gonna make a run on it and it's he's gonna break one at he's one got point. a running start yeah, yeah. All right. So did did you have any other comments on Lamar? Because I had a couple other things to say about him. We haven't talked about Lamar like yet. Well, we we kind of started, but that's okay. I thought he's had a little bit of difficulty um, extending the plays to pick apart the defense in, yep. in this game. Obviously, some of it was the Chargers really coming after him with, with more numbers in this game and the Ravens, um, you know, not always having uh, an extra blocker in to take care of business. Uh, and Frankly, when they do... Yeah. I think some of those were just outstanding individual plays by individual Chargers defenders. Yes. Yeah. So like Linval Joseph yeah. overrunning Bozeman or, or some of the things that they, they had, you know, they, they, the sacks, there were multiple people responsible for those, most of those sacks other than the Bozeman one. Right. And so Bosa, you know, Bosa was doing his part on one side, but on the other side, you had somebody beating Villanueva for, to, to compress the pocket. And you had guys falling, right? Guys who had been blocked, who were reaching out and making an ankle tackle on on Lamar, you know, tripping him up and he goes down, you know, two steps later. Uh, So so, uh, I don't know if this is anything really indicative or symptomatic of anything other than a couple of just outstanding individual plays by the defenders. Right. We'll see. We'll see if this changes. I'm 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 unfortunately, I I think that people will look at this and say, you know what? We'll take our change chances with the Ravens' run game. We need to stop Lamar as a passer, and this was an effective way to do it. And even they really kind of stopped Lamar as a runner too. He, he was eight for fifty-one. If you mm-hmm. can hold Lamar to eight for fifty-one, that's containing Lamar at a normal level, maybe even slightly slightly below what you'd expect him to get in a game. That's eight hundred sixteen yards for a full season. Obviously, I know it's not obvious anymore because we we play an extra game. Eight hundred sixty-seven yards for a full season. I'm still doing uh, all my projections based on a sixteen, 16 game season. Yes. Yeah, because because it's it's a number that I understand, and you know we haven't had a seventeen game season yet because we haven't mm-hmm. gotten there. So uh, I'm still doing all my projections on a sixteen game. Season. You know that's a, that's an extremely g- good way to think of it because <laughs> it's, a, it's we have no basis for comparison for seventeen yet, so we don't know what good is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And I, I just I, I can't think somebody's going to be out there. Can't help but think somebody's going out there and say these are a couple of nerds <laughs> with some of the things we've talked about. Today. I got to apologize, man. You told me in the production meeting that we'd like to keep this one short, and I have completely failed to help you keep this one we're, short. So we're far. gonna we're gonna rev it up here in All just right, a man. moment. Um, uh, Lamar made some six with a football in this game. Not seeing an underneath guy on the first attempt to Bateman was bad. Mm-hmm. By the way, that's an interesting one because Bateman showed up with a target in the in the game book. I don't know how you can charge Bateman with a target 
on that play. <laughs> really? Yeah, I thought this was clearly to Bateman. I thought. I know, no, it was clearly intended for Bateman. But yeah. Bateman, it, it, if you're if you're trying to figure out what Bateman's catch rate is, it, it like shouldn't be dependent on the ball not getting within ten yards of him. Yeah. So see, here <laughs> we get into how do you evaluate drops, and you know mm-hmm. what 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 is a true catch rate, and what's mm-hmm. catchable or not. This is this is a different level of. Uh, discussion. Um, there you go. Yeah. So this is, you know, you want to, you want to take this away from Bateman, then uh, I'm going to want you to rescore a bunch of Boykins plays. So uh, F- fair enough. So ca- catchable balls, <laughs> by the way, uh, we'll get back Boykin in a minute. I don't want to do that. I think an important point about this game that we didn't really mention with the, with the run running back stuff we talked about is that there were really no mesh point issues in mm-hmm. this game. And if I had to guess as to what's keeping Tyson Williams off the field, it's probably not being really facile with the mesh point, not being able to develop a chemistry with Lamar there where he can pull it or he can keep it. And, uh, you know, that was one of the really nice things about Mark Ingram. Mark Ingram obviously had lost a step in 2020, wasn't as effective, uh, but but he really understood that mesh point both years and and how Lamar could pull it anytime he wanted as long as he mm-hmm. pulled it strong. Mm-hmm. And, and Gus... Uh, even even more yeah. so, like they, uh, Lamar and Gus would ride together for seemed like several steps, you know, before it was the ball was decisively with one of them or the other. Yeah, they they had a long history together. But if you look back to eighteen, yeah, Gus and Lamar had real chemistry issues. Yeah, oh, they, they, really, they, had lot, they had a lot of balls on the ground, but uh, but then that really changed around. They both came basically started the same game, I believe. Wasn't Gus's first start, Lamar's first start, and they both ran for a hundred yards? I think that's true. Yeah, no. All right. Well, let's talk about other skill position players. And I know we have some some players we like to talk about, but you're the guest. Bring up the player you'd like to talk about first. Well, I think that everyone wants to talk about Rashad Bateman. Right. Mm-hmm. And I was extremely impressed. And I think the most impressive thing about Bateman is not Bateman at all, but Lamar's confidence in throwing to him and Lamar's eagerness to throw to him. So we saw uh, plays on third down to Bateman. We saw uh, plays in traffic to Bateman. I think that uh, that interception on the first target <laughs> to Bateman was, uh, you know, Lamar missed that o- underneath defender and almost looked like Lamar was eager, you know, excited to have an opportunity to throw to him. Um, so I, I think that kind of confidence, especially the throws into traffic, um, is very rare to see with a rookie making his first start in midseason when Lamar's already had a great season thus far. Um, so I would say one of the interceptions was very clearly Bateman's fault. The second one uh, where he kind of sure. dropped it, but dropped it into the air. And, and he really showed poor hands technique on that particular catch. So that was a slant targeted up to his chest, but he had his hands low, kind mm-hmm. of in bucket or basket position. And when the ball came on him high, he had to lift them. And it's almost, you know, the mistake to make in that situation is to knock the ball in the air. But that's kind of the only negative. You know, one play is the only negative I have to say about him. Yeah, I mean, that was that was certainly a bad play. I'll, I'll tell you what I liked about Bateman is that I thought a lot of what I saw the Colts do to Anthony Averett in week five, I saw Bateman being able to do effectively, getting separation at the top of the route. And, uh, you know, made the point last week that whatever Averitt, whatever the Colts receivers, it was three guys. It was Paris Campbell, it was Pascal, and it was Pittman. Uh, and they are, Pittman's a great receiver, I think. The other two guys, you know, we don't know yet. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. Or, or, or we do know, and we're not all that impressed. Paris but, is very fast. Yeah. Whatever they were selling at the top of the route, Anthony Averett was buying. Yeah. And I think that, that that's where Bateman can really help you as an ex receiver who does not have to play necessarily outside the numbers, but maybe plays more like on top of the numbers or even slightly inside, particularly when you're on the right hash with a football and can use that space effectively because he's such a dangerous route runner on multiple elements of that tree. Mm-hmm. He can run a seven effectively and he can run a five effectively and he can come back to out route, back shoulder, whatever you need. He can he can sell some move yeah. to a single cornerback at the top of the route and then make something happen off that. And, and that's what I really want to see from Bateman even more. But I think we saw elements of that in this first game. And that is what is so cool is oh, it was able to shake free for first down catches, mm-hmm. uh, you know, four straight times after that initial um, Lamar fault interception. Right, right. Yeah. He knows uh, he, he knows how to tell a story to defenders that they just buy. Yes, they uh, yeah, they, they need to make him. Bye. And on that Rashad Bateman note, we have to get to a, a quick piece of business here. All right, guys, Ravens football is finally back and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the Internet for Raven tickets anymore because a tick pick. That's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K. The original no fee ticket site and the only one you ever need for all of your NFL tickets. Tick pick got rid of those awful service fees from all the other seats sites. Uh, So go ahead, and if you don't believe them, they guarantee the best price on all the NFL tickets. If not, if you find the same seats at a cheaper price, they'll give you 110% back of the difference. So head on down there. I told you guys, Miami's the Thursday night football is coming up. That's the game I'm hopping on. That's the day Ken's hopping on. Head on over to TickPick.com slash Ravens to save $10 on your first order. All right. Back to the show here. We were talking about Rashad Bateman. Yes, you were, you were talking. You were, I believe you were talking in our production meeting about how it's, it'd be nice to see a professional work, and maybe you'll tell me how that works out when you see one. <laughs> uh, but I, I really do love a no fee site. So let's get back to it. We, we talked about Rashad Bateman. Are we done with him? Are we ready to move on? I, I just I just want to just enthuse a little bit more about his route running, his ability to change speeds, his his what looks like a real feel for what the defender is trying to do and how to mess it up, and. Um, He's, I can't help but compare him to Miles Boykin. And it seems to me that Bateman as a route runner is more similar to Marquise Brown, just in terms of when you think of them as athletes, just the jitteriness, Mm -hmm. you know, the the quick change of direction, the deceptiveness. I think Boykin is bigger and faster in a straight line, has more long speed, raw long speed than Bateman, but uh, is not the route runner. And I think that Lamar sees, you know, Lamar is a similar athlete to Marquise in terms of the jitteriness, the shiftiness, the quick change of direction. Rashad Bateman seems to be a similar type. I'm not saying the same level type of athlete in terms of the shiftiness and the feel. And Lamar already seems to have high confidence in him and a rapport with him. And uh, it's, I mean, it's very exciting. Even on, you know, just four catches for 29 yards. I think what he's, the traits that he's shown, I think are really exciting. Yeah, the connection is, is is very positive. We'll we'll see what he's able to do at the top of the route. I kind of want to want to make sure I I go through the all twenty two and mm-hmm. take a look at that and make sure it's what I thought it was. But uh, but I'm 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 impressed to see it. And I think Brown might be a slightly more sloppy route runner, but makes up for it with raw speed. Is how I would how I would talk about that. 
how we talk about how, how he's able to shift, but he's like Owe in a lot of ways that because he's so ridiculously fast, mm-hmm. his first movement has a better chance to snag that defender because he knows he has to overreact to keep up. Right. So he's, he gets by with that, that, uh, that raw athleticism, but Bateman, uh, high hopes from this game, not, uh, not diminished at all by the, by the late interception and the way that, uh, that worked out. I think they'll, they'll coach that out. Agreed. I want to talk a little bit about Eric Tomlinson, who I thought was a was a big player in this game. Um, he is is not getting any targets this year to speak of. I don't even know if he's got a single target yet for the Ravens this year. I don't but think he does. He's doing a hell of a job blocking, and uh, he's a big part of any game where they have a lot of run. He did have a fair number of snaps in this game. I want to make sure I have that out there, but it was closing in on twenty, I think. Um, uh, okay. Well, it'll be up in here, up here in a second. And I'll, I'll come back with it, but I've just been very impressed with what he gives the Ravens in line, what he gives the Ravens that Boyle was giving them in terms of a motion guy who can throw a block. They like to do it with Ricard as well, but Tomlinson also a very good guy on the interior. And then what he gives us a chipper in, in the passing games and, and Huge in this game. yeah. Oh yeah. And oftentimes he's, he's, uh, he, he will, he will go out for a route. He's still going out on routes, um, but he's but he is not uh, necessarily targeted. Obviously, Anything? I haven't I haven't noticed. You know, most of my attention goes to the guys who actually carry the ball or the guys who actually get thrown to. Mm-hmm. So I haven't observed much from Tomlinson. But I know from prior you know years, just watching Roman, like a chess piece that he can move around close to the snap and change the angle or create an additional gap. Uh, change the blocking angle or create an additional gap is yeah. just uh, a, a toy that Greg Roman loves to play with. Right. Yeah, that's that's a great point, by the way, because we talk about it always in terms of the double teams that these in-motion players can create at the line of scrimmage. It's oftentimes the pullers who create, you know, a, a very extreme blocking angle, which effectively, it's almost like creating a zone blocking play, except you're trying to block the body instead of keeping it at arm's length on your on your right or left arm. And, and it's a huge advantage to be blocking a, a player from the side. It creates that lateral movement yeah. that a zone blocking scheme creates. Yeah. Um, another player for you. Um, well, <laughs> I don't... <laughs> I'm trying not to talk about Miles Boykin, but but perhaps we could just very briefly. I well, had four snaps. Why would we need anything less than half an hour? <laughs> that's a, I think that's a good point, right? I know, I know your your affinity for Boykin. I love him too, but but let's let's be quick about this. <laughs> no, I don't. I'm not gonna. No, nothing. Let's move on. I, I'll I'll bring him up. I I love Boykin's play. I love the the fact that they got him a catch. First of all, I think that was that was a, just a nice thing to do. Mm. But his block on Bell's touchdown is a he took show. out three guys. Show your grandkids that block. By the way, I will give this unsolicited piece of advice to players who have never shown any appreciation for it or whatever, but that's fine. Also, what I'll say is make recordings, you know, have a thumb drive or some other method of recording some of these great plays. These games will not be out there forever. I don't trust NFL Mm -hmm. Game Pass to have these games in the future or for you to be able to, to assemble the three or four or five or six plays that you really want to show your grandkids on one uninterrupted roll, as opposed to having to go through some other bad plays that might've gone with it. Well, sure. I allowed that sack, but wait a minute. There's a good, there's a good combination block coming up. <laughs> so, yeah. That's a so, great point. <laughs> uh, so, so if you're miles Boykin and you've made a number of great blocks and run blocks in your career, and you have these last three years to look at, boy, 
get those recorded, get those saved now, <laughs> have your, your, your nerdy technical friend, put those on a, on a disc and, uh, and, and have them ready because you will really appreciate being able to look back on that and, uh, and, and show your family someday. Does any other offensive coordinator in the league have the position of blocking wide receiver? You know, it's a uh, it's a remarkable thing. I mean, nobody runs the ball, obviously, like the Ravens do, but he, he provides plenty of value, whether run or pass after yeah. the after the plays made. Uh, I don't think he's been called for an OPI. I needed to go back and look at it, whether he's been called for an OPI on a on, on a either a pass play or on a on a it would be on a pass play that would come on a right. wide receiver screen where he blocks too early. I, I, I've, I haven't seen that from him. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, I'm going to count that as a guy you brought up. Let's, yeah. I, let's, let's, cl- let's close it up and let's, let's talk about the MVP since we're running a little late here. Do you want to go three, two, one and participate? Uh, I would, let's just go with your MVPs. I think I've interspersed the guys that I have been impressed with, was impressed with in the game. I think I've inter- interspersed them throughout rather than saving okay. them for the end. Okay. Well, I kind of cheated with my number three guy, McCary and Zeitler. I, I, I'm calling them together. They both got B's in the game. McCary with a big adjustment, uh, playing against Joey Bosa, really got the job done again. And, uh, you know, it's, it's his play at right tackle is, you know, a revelation. I certainly, I think, very unexpected uh, just how well he's played. Uh, Zeitler, I think, is the glue right now holding the line together in terms of, of what he brings there, especially after the last three games and the consistent play he's shown. Uh, very positive with both guys. And, and I think it really should be an offensive line guy as the number three guy, given the number two, two and one guy and who else made any kind of a meaningful contribution. Right. All right. My number two guy, Lamar Jackson. Uh, I, I don't think there's any real question about this. I mean, he, he had a good running game. He had kind of a lousy passing game, but he kind of took what the defense gave them. Uh, he was not without mistakes in this game, but even, even, mediocre Lamar is adding a lot to the offense in terms of how the other players are able to produce off him. I pulled a quote from uh, Mike Tanier's walkthrough weekend wrap-up column on Football Outsiders about this game. It's a paragraph. You mind if I read it? Sure. He says, uh, Jackson's box score stats against the Chargers weren't all that impressive. 19 of 27 for 167 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions, one of which bounced off of Rashad Bateman's chest. 51 rushing yards. But Jackson spent Sunday afternoon double clutching and pump faking to get receivers open on short passes, sidearming throws into tight windows, and scrambling judiciously for first downs. Jackson proved that he can be a game changer against a quality opponent if called upon. Throw in a much better effort by the Ravens defense than the one we saw on Monday night, and the usual heroics by Justin Tucker in the return game, and the Ravens are the most complete team in the AFC south of upstate New York. South of upstate New York. Yeah, I guess he must not have watched that Monday night game before he wrote that, but that's okay. Yeah, it was. It appeared on Monday, <laughs> Monday during the day. <laughs> All right. Well, I think the, there, there might be a new sheriff in town as far as the AFC is concerned. Yeah, so I think that Lamar's play in the passing game was better than the statistics show in terms of the things that Tanier's talking about, in terms of um, creating openings for other receivers by, you know, pump fakes and, you know, his his movement skills and sidearms. Um so I, I know that this was not anywhere near as impressive as his Monday night effort against Indy, but uh, I didn't find it discouraging in the past game at all. I think that the game management stuff that Tanier is referring to, I think, was very evident. A lot of check downs, you know, using running backs in the passing game, finding what was there. I thought it was a good game. Okay. 
I would agree. Um, uh, we, we, you know, that's one thing that Lamar's used less is pump fakes than mm-hmm. other mo- means of deceptions. But we're seeing a few more of them this year. Uh, you know, obviously full arm, full arm fakes where he has to, his arms extended and he has to pull it back. Mm-hmm. He's done shoulder fakes in the past, in yeah. prior years. Yeah, it's it's uh, it definitely is very effective. Uh, we've we've seen Roethlisberger at at least once might might have been happened twice where he let a football go. One t- one was intercepted by Haloti Nada <laughs> doing that when Haloti Nada was somehow in level two, you know, dropping his own coverage. Uh, anyway, so weird things happen when that is, and it's 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 deceptively difficult. Yeah. to you know move your arm forward with the football and not release it. And yet, I mean, the grip strength you got to have to do that. I can't even imagine. A number one guy is Mark Andrews for me. Uh, a big game for him, and he was really kind of without blemish in this game to yep. to catch five of six and and still maintain that high yards per catch. But he was the one generating a lot of the Ravens' offense. Uh, the run game was slowly moved up the field, very effective, very efficient. Uh, I don't think there's any one player that I can cite as being the the you know the leader of the pack in that in that group. Uh, you know, maybe Freeman would be it, but I don't think he had the contribution of my number three guy. So Andrews is my number one. I think that's fair. I think that uh, it takes a certain amount of contortions to make anybody but Lamar the number one. Um, but I think that your logic here is very sound. I mean, Andrew's over 11 yards per target. Uh, he had the touchdown. He's 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 absolutely established himself as the as I think the first Pro Bowl uh, tight end in the AFC. With all due respect to Kelsey and Darren Waller, at least thus far. You know, if if it were rewarded today. Sure, definitely could change uh, for sure. I, I'm going to go get a couple questions here from the mail get, mailbag, yeah. and I think in each case, why don't you try and uh, go first, and I'll try okay. and respond. Uh, the first one is from Minion Hunter, who says, "Do you think players, mostly wide receivers, should advocate for calls if they don't get them on the field?" It seems like the Sky Judge has been awarding Metcalf, for example, um, if they were vociferous about it, and not. The, the the Pat's wide receiver face mask was not called because he did not complain. I'm not sure I understand the mechanics of the sky judge, but what, what are your feelings about that? I think that we have a saying that has come down to us from centuries, which is that the squeaky wheel gets the grease. I think we have watched Tom Brady lobby for calls and not get as many as he wanted, but get fully a quarter or a third or so of uh, of calls that he might not otherwise have gotten. If you watch a lot of college basketball, I think that uh, after the record for wins, Mike Krzyzewski's second most impressive record might be referee calls that he lobbied for and got. Uh, I think that it is a part of every hyper-competitive professional or near professional in the case of college basketball sport. I think that uh, uh, I don't love to see it. I I think most fans don't like watching it, but if you are not doing it, then you're probably not taking advantage of every avenue that there is to get an advantage for your team. Yeah, I I would agree with that. I think that's very sound logic. And, And one of the things that Belichick does every week is to scout the officiating crew Mm. and, and know exactly what penalties they call more than the other crew, more than the other crews in the league, and you can game plan for that somewhat. Yeah, you know, but uh, you know, if if a if a if it's a big unnecessary roughness crew, we'll have your quarterback take a late step out of bounds and see if he can draw one. Mm-hmm. If it's a big roughing the passer crew, you know, take that extra time in the pocket and take a chance, or uh, lobby for the things that yes. you know that they like to call. Yeah, great point. Great point. Uh, 
Okay, got one more question here from Jimmy. Uh, that's Jimmy Ravens. Uh, now that Ronnie is out, do we keep Ben Powers rotating with Cleveland when he's healthy again and allow Tyree to focus on tackle just in case Pat or AV goes down? Uh, getting ahead of himself a little bit on on Cleveland being back in the lineup, right. which which we we certainly do want. And then his other question is: any idea if if Juwan James will play? I'll answer the second part. I don't I don't know anything about Juwan James whether he's going to play or not. But I've I had already written him off for the season. His contract is kind of structured as a 2022 deal. How about you in terms of where? Um, Tyree Phillips ought to be playing. Well, we've touched on Tyree, I think, at various times in this episode. It, it seems that the Ravens view him as a offensive guard, um, maybe an emergency tackle, but not like a in the rotation tackle. So I, I'll defer to Joe D and, and John Harbaugh on that one. Uh, I think that Tyree played well at the position in college, so maybe he has some potential there, but uh, but they're seeing more than I am. All right. I, Got to tell you, Jim, it's just always a pleasure to talk football with you. I absolutely love these conversations. We were on the same page on a lot of things. I love your takes, even when I slightly disagree with right. them. And, and, and your, your loyalty to, to Miles Boykin, to whom I was also very loyal to, particularly as a blocker, uh, is remarkable. And, uh, and we appreciate that. I think I'm the patron saint of wide receivers who don't get as many opportunities as I think they ought to. And we can, <laughs> we can do an episode on Marcus Smith at some point if you want. Yes, and, that's uh, a great one. Zero <laughs> career catches. But boy, boy yeah, the great pass interference. You know. <laughs> by, the way, by the way, 25 years episodes are being done. Hit me up about Marcus Smith. We'll do him. All that, right. That'd be, it. that'd be a really good one. So anyway, there's a, there's a set of, uh, of players. And by the way, your patron sainthood, you're over. There's so many people who think that the, this guy from the camp, darling, it really deserves more chances. I don't think you can really claim this. Boykin has shown too much for you to be the uh, patron saint of it. Oh, it's now we're going to have to do a Boykin episode. Yes. <laughs> well, anytime you want, my friend. Anytime you want. Right. Well, Ken, I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate having been invited to to join these with you. It's 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 a highlight of the season for me. I really enjoy these very much. So so thank you very much. All right, we'll have to do we'll have to do more, Jim. Uh, uh, if you do looking to do a twenty five years episode, hit me up. D- DM. Don't give me Matt Rushmore of Ravens. Don't give me top ten linebackers because those th- topics have been discussed to death. Give me that a trend in Ravens history, something some, something you've noticed about the draft that you really like, a particular player from an old time, a particular game that you like. We had somebody do Rashawn Melvin. It was a great episode. Uh, you know, it's the kind of thing that, that uh, you know, we can really appreciate dredging up our, our memories of Rashawn Melvin, all the good and all the bad, you know, in a total of five games that he played with the Ravens in 2014. So uh, it's it's a we're looking for that kind of a kind of an experience in an episode. Your personal experience is very welcome on the show. We'd love to hear about those if you traveled to a game and you had a, had a fun experience doing it. But uh, anyway, hit me up with those. We're still going to be doing those through the end of the season. We have about 50 to do in total. We're about halfway there in terms of recording. So we'd love to hear more of them. Uh, Jim, thanks again for being on this week. Ken, thank you very much. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Stuff. <laughs>
Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.